Hello everyone. This is a new episode of the podcast Cloudology, where we look into the future of technology and how we can use it uh, in a most productive way. My name is Andy Frommel and I am your host. Today I am talking to an SAP colleague. Her name is Fatwa Al-Hagan. Fatwa is, uh, is a very interesting person uh, and we will talk today about the future of work. And what is specifically about Fatwa is that she lives normally in the future. And only once in a while, Fatwa is coming to the present moment and helping CIOs, CEOs and C-levels uh, to secure the place in the experience ex economy. So this is a very great and interesting job that you have, Fatwa, and I'm sure many of us would love to have the same job. So welcome to this podcast. Thank you, Andy. Uh, indeed, it's a really cool job. I uh, look at uh, future of work for a living, so I figured why not give my, uh, my, myself a cool job. That's, that's, that sounds cool. And this topic, uh, future of work, uh, is becoming uh, very, very uh, important for everyone now as we living and experience and unique time. Uh, so work has dramatically changed, Fatwa, not just for me and for you, for everyone. And uh, specifically under this never seen before situation of COVID-19, um, can you explain on, on, on where this future of work will go and how fast um, it will change and maybe will it last forever? Yes, thank you. Uh, indeed, Andy. And when I look at us recording this podcast, uh, I think we're doing it across two different geographies. Nonetheless, we're still connecting and we're still trying uh, to understand what lies ahead. Now, what we've seen so far is that uh, remote work is coming more and more the norm. Uh, we're seeing a lot of virtual meetings uh, on the rise and we're seeing, uh, frankly, new business models uh, becoming uh, the norm. And I don't think that uh, these shifts are uh, going to go away. I think that most of them are here to stay. Uh, when I look at this, um, I think that in our region, we kind of leapfrogged into the future 18 months because we started adopting new business models. But when I also look at what CXOs are telling us, I was reading a study from Gartner uh, that highlighted that 74% of CFOs are now saying, okay, I, will, I intend to shift some employees to remote work. We also looked at a, another study uh, that said that 80% of the processes and products that we had in the last decade will either be reinvented, digitalized, or completely disappear. So we're seeing a huge impact into, uh, um, into what the future of work would look like. But I think that we now more than ever, we have an opportunity to create a future uh, we want to live in. It's just on an accelerated track. Yeah, so what you're saying is that this, uh, this pandemic is, is acting as a cat catalyst or an accelerator to things that have been there. And now, for example, everybody is using Zoom or other things daily. And uh, before it was uh, once a week or a couple times a week, but now this is uh, going into accelerated growth. Um, so before we go further in this topic, uh, one aspect that might be interesting to our colleagues on this podcast is that you, you came across the technology by coincidence because you stumbled across it and you started your career as a medical scientist and not really working in technology. So, so how came this shift and, and why, what did uh, interest you to move into this area? 
Um, yes, indeed. I think that um, the shift I decided to make um, is because of what technology can bring. So when I look at the phase we're in, which is the fourth industrial revolution, and I looked at past revolution, I really see that uh, when you think of uh, electricity, the steam engine, and the mass production, it had an unbelievable effect in terms of prosperity that this has brought uh, to uh, humanity in general. And I think that with technology, we can actually help accelerate that. And this is why um, technology now um, is uh, really um, disrupting every uh, industry and uh, that is what keeps me engaged into the sector. Uh, of course, working with people like you uh, within SAP is also a great plus. Yeah, this is similar to me, I, I, have, to, I have to say, because I started uh, um, in business administration in the retail sector, nothing to do with software. And it was at the end of the 90s when the internet came up and I said the retail business is quite boring. This is nothing for me. And then I started also to do it on my own and ended up uh, having a startup, a uh, small startup company for one year with a colleague from the university, which was my entry gate to, uh, to companies technology. And um, so I think uh, quite some people... Um, have gone through similar things and which is becoming for me also an underlying uh, survival um, principle. You have to be adaptable and much more flexible uh, going forward uh, to, uh, and you cannot just hope and, and, and bet that you will stick with your job that you have. I think this is now uh, becoming even more important in this crisis. Um, okay, so when we, when we talk about the future of work, um, how is the technology um, changing that we use and, and are we human, human beings, are we able to make this work for us? How do we understand how to use technology? Yes, so um, if we zoom in into our region, uh, we find that different reports will tell you um, around 45% of the work or the tasks we currently carry are, uh, automate, uh, um, are automatable and can be uh, taken over by technology. But I think that um, when I look at this um, as, an, as a problem or an opportunity, I don't think it's a technology problem. I think it's uh, a generation shift that has been created. And it's really uh, about this work-life balance or this work-life uh, mesh that we're looking at. Now, when I uh, look at my behavior and different people's behavior, what does it mean to live in 2020? I use my phone. Um, in fact, I talk to my operating system phone to set my alarm. I expect my phone um, to uh, update my to-do list, uh, to buy my grocery, uh, follow my heart rate, and uh, in some time, uh, track my sleeping hours. And that is part of the norm. When I go to the workplace, most of the jobs are now uh, being done manually. So a lot of the tasks that you can actually give to your digital twin and, and, and give to technology, we're not seeing that being adopted um, at the same rate that uh, you live in. And that's where the opportunity lies and that's what we want to kind of uh, accelerate and bring um, in terms of opportunities. Again, 
the technology actually exists to automate a lot of our work. So the, the rule of thumb that we follow here is that we really need to focus on taking the robot out of the human. And we really need to focus on what are these high value tasks that people want to live in and people want to actually do. Our region is a very young region. In the Middle East, the, um, the median age of, uh, of people are 22 years old compared to 20 years old across. And millennials are digital savvy, Gen Zs are coming into the workforce. And what they want to do is that they wanna work in a way that resembles what uh, their life looking like. And that is the gap that we are trying uh, to close because what we're seeing more and more is that 70% um, of millennials would actually quit their work due to poor technology experiences. And that's why I work very closely with organizations to reinvent work and redefine the relationship that leads to higher productivity and more employee engagement. And uh, what would you say, how can we, so, so how can these companies reinvent work that this Gen Z is not leaving after a few months uh, and looking for a new employer? Absolutely. So I look at scenarios where my question is, how can I augment intelligence? Um, and I want to create the, the balance between, if this is a manual work, can we really give it to a bot? And if this is an analytical task, how can we accelerate that using machine learning? And I'll, I'll take you through some of the examples uh, that we are currently rolling out with our, um, with our clients. So we rolled out uh, a new technology called SAP Copilot. The idea behind this SAP Copilot is to really have a digital assistant that will help you accelerate and do your daily routine task. Let's take, for example, a monitor uh, that you currently use and it was broken. We embedded a machine learning scenario where you can take a picture of the screen that was broken or the monitor and you talk to the system and you say, hey, I have a broken screen. Can you please order me one and have it delivered to my house or to my office? And the system in the background would work to make sure that it gets you the request. And we track the productivity that this has driven. And we understand that while monitor is important for you to carry your work, uh, your day in and day out, we want to minimize the waste that you can have. Now, in these processes uh, or during this scenario, we have embedded three simple scenarios for technology. We've used image recognition. You just take a picture of your broken monitor. We've used robot, robotic process automation that will take uh, uh, the request and execute it in the system. And we use chatbot uh, to, to have this interaction uh, seamlessly. The value that this brings to the company, not only giving you more uh, time for you to be productive and work on higher value tasks, but we really took away some of uh, uh, the investment uh, that uh, these companies were putting in their OPEX. So you don't need to fill a form. I don't need to have support staff 24 by seven. And I really can adopt this technology and look at these scenarios and have the human 
audit the system uh, and have the machine uh, trained on predicting when will uh, the next request come and how much cost would that be. So this is one of the simple scenarios where we augment humanity by giving you a digital assistant. Yeah, I think this is, uh, these are good examples, Fatma, and everybody, I think, loves to have a chatbot where you can have a fast access to a website or a service and you don't need to wait in a, in a, in a call center queue or you have an assistant who can help you to schedule a meeting or automate. But there is, I think, a fear that many of us have to say, where does it stop, right? So is it killing my own job? Is it killing and replacing um, the vast majority of, of, of jobs today. So is there any type of um, thinking or opinion that you have on, on where it starts and where it will stop and what it means for, for people like us uh, who have jobs today? Well, um, yes and no. So um, we think that um, whilst, if you look at the World Economic Forum estimation, they say that 75 million jobs will go away but technology will actually be creating 133 million new jobs. But these jobs are not going to be the exact same jobs. Uh, when we looked at this problem, we understood that eight out of uh, the 10 jobs that will come in 2030 have not been invented yet. And 65% of all the primary school children will end up working in jobs that do not exist today. I look at this problem like if I was to tell my parents that I'm going to be an app developer for a smartphone and it's 1995, they would have laughed at me because at that time we didn't have the smartphone to kind of get this job to be uh, invented. And that is the kind of acceleration uh, that we are going to see. Yeah, so this goes back to the, to the principle that uh, we have to be much more flexible and uh, be prepared to, uh, to uh, upskill and learn new skills on a much faster pace. And as this is becoming critical, critical, not just for a career, but also for literally for, for survival in, in, in this world when you want to have a good paid job or you want to have a job that makes sense to you. So Fatwa, you also, I also heard that you're working with a couple of customers here in the region, in the Middle East, um, to help them um, to figure out how future jobs in their organization uh, will look like and how they can prepare their employees, exactly what you said at the moment. So you may well lose a bit of your part, what you do today, things get automated, uh, but employees need to learn new uh, skills um, on a constant basis. So I'm a bit interested to, to see more. Do you already see a couple of kind of this future jobs? Yes. So we do um, uh, an exercise with our customers where we understand, we try to understand what the resumes of the future in their organization, in their sector, in their industry is going to look like. One scenario that uh, comes up over and over is a new job called the human AI ambassador that we are going to see emerge uh, in uh, companies as they, uh, as they acquire uh, machine learning scenarios into their jobs. And to help explain this job, we really need to take one step back and try to understand what is the ambassadorship role like today in between countries. So when I look at an ambassadorship job, um, it's a re it's, you look at two different countries with the probably two different economies, two different backgrounds and culture. And what the ambassador tries to do is help build bridges to bring prosperity to both nations.
Now, the human AI ambassador, part of his job in an organization is to really help ensure that AI is bringing three values to the company. The first one is it's increasing productivity. The second one is it's increasing transparency and that AI is being used in ethical and moral, way, and moral ways. Now let's break these down. I've spoken about the productivity in the scenario we've given earlier. If the job can be automated, if it's boring, and if it's consuming value uh, from our employees and hindering them from creating uh, uh, added value job, let's look at scenarios where AI can actually do that. And that's how you use Siri, for instance, in your phone to help you set up an alarm. Transparent is, AI will probably uh, help uh, do some analytical uh, tasks. And humans must understand why did uh, the machine suggest what it suggested. One example that we see from our everyday life is say when you are watching YouTube and YouTube would suggest for you the up next feature. This is a machine telling you that, oh, uh, you've been watching a lot about the circular economy. What if I give you more sustainability related video? And that ensures transparency as we deal with the machine. The last example is around ethical AI. What scenarios should we be given the machine to make the decision? And we're seeing more and more of this scenario is coming as we talk about autonomous driving. What happens if a car uh, wants to, uh, is a car is about to do an accident? Um, and one example of that is uh, MIT's Moral Machine Platform. So they created a website where you go and the human decide what kind of scenario um, should the car crash into um, if it's between a building that's a hospital or another building that's a supermarket, for instance. And that is what the human AI ambassador would bring to any organization as they embrace uh, AI uh, part of, as part of their uh, organization going forward. So kind of an, uh, yeah, so the, the word ambassador that helps the organization to, uh, to learn uh, how best to adapt because you, you're touch pointing, um, you're touching a few critical areas and one is the famous example when a car is about to make an accident and they have to, the cars to make a choice between either two buildings or, um, or a child and an older person, right? So these, these, these critical decisions. The same one that you said, um, and we all know it when you go on YouTube or Netflix, and this is the next, this is the next movie. So the AI is making a recommendation, which is great, but on the other side, it can be dangerous when it's used to manipulate uh, you as an individual, or even if you use it to manipulate the mass, uh, because you can make recommendations to shift step by step somebody into an area, and they even don't realize that that they're consuming things that they maybe have not watched because uh, there is a machine now doing it. So I think this becomes uh, as critical as we understand on how we can utilize any kind of technology. And there is, I think, a lot of um, good um, work globally now done. One comes to my mind is this organization called OpenAI, which is exactly looking into this, um, into this more difficult questions, but also how you can democratize AI that is not becoming um, just in the hands of a, of a few people or, or, or countries. And then we know in the history what, what happens or what can happen if a, if a new technology falls into 
into the wrong hands. I think this is a critical state of, of the human uh, development um, on how we can use it. And there are as many people that say AI can, can kill us and AI can, it can be a big leapfrog for us in terms of how we can propel as a, as a, as a, uh, as a society, right? So I think this is uh, very important and interesting to, to follow. So if we come back, uh, Fatwa, to, to our own, to the 5,000 feet view, uh, how can we work to make our careers future-proof when we see all these changes, maybe some risks, but also opportunities on the other side? Absolutely. I think one um, common denominator of all the tactics that we can do to future-proof our career and really bring prosperity to us and the communities we live in is our ability to learn. But learning is going to take a very different aspect uh, as we go into the new world. It's not the way we work has dramatically changed. It's no longer going to be that I'm going to go to school um, and then I'll go and work for 40 years and then I'll retire. It's going to be I'm going to learn, work, unlearn, relearn, work, etc. So the way we're seeing learning uh, in organization is that how can we help ourselves, our employees, and our organization learn to unlearn stuff that are obsolete. When you think of the time we work in, we have unlearned that work has to be done in office setting, and we completely shifted into a virtual world. But we had to also relearn how work is getting done. So we started looking at scenarios in terms of how do I engage and relearn new tools? What does the virtual environment look like and how do I engage? And the third is how can I continuously learn new stuff by adopting all of these things? So knowing that the uh, learning is going to be a consistent part what is it, uh, the micro learning that I can do? And how can I engage in learning new stuff on the job, in my society, in my community? So we're seeing a lot of uh, companies really focus on learning as part of the reskilling. We're seeing governments are uh, taking uh, some of these initiatives and we're seeing a lot of people. So. In the past couple of months, we've opened our open SAP platform to allow people to learn our technology and learn um, best practices in business processes. And we're seeing a lot of people who are on the job looking at some scenarios that are futuristic and adopting uh, this way of learning, unlearning, and relearning. Yeah, so learning becomes a, um, a critical part like, like sleeping and doing exercises and you need to understand on how, uh, what you need to learn and, and, and also how, how to learn because you, you, you said it's, it's important to uh, unlearn and to learn new things and there is a, there's great uh, tools and sources out, out on the internet. One that I came across and, and the specific blog I followed since many years is a blog of a colleague called Tim Ferriss. He is also a kind of a, a worldwide master of, of learning and, and, and shortcutting and dissecting practices. So everybody who is listening to this podcast, if you, if you want to get more into learning, uh, Google the name Tim Ferriss with two R and two S's, and uh, you will find a great entry point into this, into this world. 
so FATWA, this has been a very, very great uh, discussion. And I think uh, it won't be the last time that we have this, this type of uh, talk because now we see the world is changing or has changed already. And uh, we are on a path that we have not been, um, uh, nobody imagined that we are in now. And uh, this whole topic of future of work um, is accelerating. I think this is the key takeaway. It is an advantage, but it's also um, a bit of a challenge for us. Um, but I think there is more on the bright side than on the, on, the, on the challenging side. So Fatwa, if anybody wants to follow you, are you on social media, on Twitter or LinkedIn? Uh, yes, so the future of work is an ongoing discussion and we'd love to engage uh, with, the, with your audience and your listeners uh, to carry on the discussion. I am uh, on Twitter and I am on LinkedIn and we do discuss the future of work on both platforms. Um, and I can be found under my handle, which is Fadoul Hargan, uh, on both platforms. Excellent. So we will, we will put this into the show note. Okay, thank you very much, Fatwa, for this discussion. Uh, if uh, the colleagues on this podcast, if you like the session, please give us a thumbs up. And looking forward to share with you a new episode very, very soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>